You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now, full of pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able, He calls you now. They say we believe in a fairy tale. One of the things they claim, which really drives me crazy, is that the story of Jesus is just not true, that it's really a lie. But the crazy thing about it is it has been proven time and time and time again historically. Historically, in all the religious writings and in all the writings around the world, there is a historical Jesus. He lived and he died at a Roman cross. Of that, everyone agrees. But yet, because we believe in him... Because we believe in his resurrection, they say we're crazy. In the first century AD, no one denied that there was a Jewish teacher named Jesus. The disagreement was whether or not he was who he claimed to be. Pastor Dave will be bringing this discussion forward 2,000 years and reminding us of the hard questions the fact of Jesus' existence forces us to ask. Now here's Pastor Dave with today's edition of Cape Watch Radio. He knew. He's a Jew. He knows these things because nothing was hidden. Nothing was done hidden. Everything was out in the open. In other words, the ministry of Jesus Christ, including his death and resurrection, were public knowledge. They were public record. They weren't something hidden away. They weren't something tucked in a drawer. David Gusick said this, Paul's gospel was characterized by truth and reason because it was based on historical events, such as the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Things which were not done in a corner, but were open to examination. Everybody knew what had happened to this Jesus. You know, the world has always thought that those who are obedient to the call of Christ were crazy. Throughout the ages, we read of men and women who were deemed crazy for the devotion to Jesus and the gospel. Even church history books are filled with them. And sadly, even some in established church today think us crazy for our zealousness towards the Lord. Has another Christian ever said to you, you're too overboard for Christ? Settle down. You're too overboard. Can there be such a thing as being too overboard for Jesus? Can there be such a thing as being too overboard for Christ? Paul had to tell the Corinthian believers that he wasn't crazy too. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 13, Paul said, For if we are beside ourselves, that same Greek word, it's for God. In other words, if I seem a little off, it's because of my love for our Lord Jesus Christ and his vast love for me, that sometimes his love is so strong, I cannot contain myself. What a great testimony. Is the love of Jesus in your heart so strong that there are times when you can't contain yourself? You have to tell somebody about it? There are times when you just want to let people know who Jesus is. It's one of the reasons why I never, I always am very, very worried about giving my wife the microphone. She often says that she wants to get the microphone and she wants to scream how much Jesus loves us and how great his love is for us. And she wants to just do that. I tell her, you can do that, just not with my microphone. I can pick on her because she's not here. Paul says, I'm not mad. I'm speaking truth, and I'm speaking reality. And king, you know it. I love that. He put the king right on the spot. King, you know it. Why did the king know it? Because King Agrippa was Jewish. 
King Agrippa was a Jew. He said, King, you know it. But the apostle doesn't stop here. He pushes. The apostle knew when to push. Look at verse 27. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. What a loaded question. What a loaded question is thrown at the king. Here Paul is making the king take a stand. He's forcing him to decide. Okay, king, you're a Jew. You believe the prophets, don't you? How could the king say no? The king was raised Jewish. The king was raised in the Judaism. He had to say he believed in the prophet. But if he said he believed in the prophet, then he would have to answer a bigger question. The unescapable question, the question that everyone in the universe, everyone that ever born, anyone that ever will be born must answer. Who do you say Jesus is? The big question. The one that we all must answer for ourselves. King Agrippa couldn't do this. Unfortunately, that for the king, he eluded Paul's question because he became superior and he belittled Paul and his witness. This would be a tragic mistake for King Agrippa. Sadly, a very tragic mistake for the king. Look at verse 28. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. How many are thinking right now almost only counts on horseshoes and hand grenades? Yeah, I know. Almost. Why do they say almost horseshoes and hand grenades? I'll tell you. Have you ever played horseshoes? You have a horseshoe and you have a pole. If you throw it and it rings, you get points. But if you're close, you get points, right? Yeah. If you've been in the army and you know anything about army, if you take a hand grenade, I don't have to hit Lou when I throw the hand grenade. I can hit it over there and still get Lou. He's close. That's why it says almost in horseshoes and hand grenades. But when it says only, that refers to they're the only places where you can get the almost and you can use the almost. Only in horseshoes and hand grenades because almost hitting the target or achieving your goal in any other endeavor outside of that does it work? So, King Agrippa, the answer to your question is no. You can't almost be a Christian. You cannot almost be a Christian. So, the question I have to ask is, who's the crazy one here? Who is the crazy one? Which one of these two, Paul or King Agrippa, might spend eternity considering the madness of their response? Which one of them? Now, we do not know if King Agrippa ever made the connection if he ever put the pieces together and accepted Christ. He certainly heard the message. He certainly knew the message. He heard the gospel. It was up to him to make the response. Look at Paul's quick response to Agrippa. The next verse. And Paul said, I wish to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might become both almost and altogether such things as I, except for these change. Here we see the beautiful heart of Paul. The beautiful heart of Pastor Paul the beautiful heart of evangelist Paul, the beautiful heart of missionary Paul, this gorgeous heart that Paul has. He was a true lover of Jesus Christ. He was a true ambassador of Christ. Paul showed them the compassion of the Lord and hoped that all of them would come to the knowledge of Jesus, hoped that all of them would come to repentance. I wonder if this ever haunted Festus. I wonder if Festus was ever haunted by this. Did it ever haunt Agrippa or Bernice? She was there too. How about all the other people that might have been watching? Did it ever haunt them? 
It doesn't say. We don't know. We have to hope. We don't know. But the king and the governor governor knew they were trapped. Old Paul had them right where he wanted them. Paul had them right there. You've got to make a decision, and you've got to make it now. Well, they did make a decision. They did not decide. And that is a decision. They decided the best thing to do is get the heck out of here. We're going to end this hearing right now. It's over, done with. I don't want to hear any more. I'm sure if you've ever witnessed to somebody and you've gotten to that point, they usually come up with some wild thing that they say off the cuff or they walk away from you. Because they've had it. They can't make that decision. Luke writes, when he, Paul, had said these things, the king stood up, as well as the governor and Bernice and those who sat with them. And they had gone aside. They talked amongst themselves, saying, this man is doing nothing deserving of death or change. Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man might have been set free if it had not appealed to Caesar. This is the last time Luke records that Paul was innocent of all charges. But you have to ask the question here. Who was on trial? Who really, really was on trial? Look at what Wearsby said. I love Warren Wearsby. He has such a way of putting things. What Agrippa and Festus did not understand was that Paul had been the judge and they had been the prisoners on trial. They had been shown the light and the way to freedom, but deliberately closed their eyes and returned to their sins. He continued, Perhaps they felt relieved that Paul would now go to Rome and be of no more trouble. The trial may have been over, but their sentence was still to come, and come it would. Wow, sad news. See, those outside the faith, and to those who look in, Paul's devotion for Christ appeared to be a mad obsession. I mean, look what the apostle gave up to be a Christian. You can read all about that in Philippians 3, verses 5 through 7. Look at all the things he gave up to be a Christian. Paul gave up everything that was and everything that is today treasured by others. He tossed away everything of value to the world. He gave it all up to know Christ. And to the world, this looks delusional. This looks like madness. Sadly, even today, the world continues to think that those who call themselves Christians and are ambassadors for Christ are crazy or even delusional. Those outside the faith think our utter devotion to Jesus Christ is madness. They think we've lost our mind, and there are plenty of websites to prove it. You can go on these various websites, type in insane Christian, type in delusional, and you get all these websites where the people are just railing against Christians and how stupid we are and how delusional we are. Even in the church, even in the church, even today, people are being harassed because they give up everything to follow Christ. They give up everything to become a missionary in South Africa or the furthest long. How many people think Denny Barger is nuts because he gave up a pastorate being a pastor of Calvary Chapel, Southern Ocean County, left his family, left everything, and went to Bahrain to minister to Muslims. I wonder how many people think him crazy. The author, R. Kent Hughes, again, he declares this, quote, the world system has always thought the Pauls to be crazy, but actually, it's the world that is insane. The July-September 1982 issue of Sparks Magazine in an article entitled Faith as Madness documented the then-Soviet official position on religion. 
Belief in God is considered a delusion. At the time, the treatment for dissenters frequently included drugs for psychosis and torture. The patients were the ones who were mad. Even today, as I said, there are websites that call us delusion. They say we believe in a fairy tale. One of the things they claim, which really drives me crazy, is that the story of Jesus is just not true, that it's really a lie. But the crazy thing about it is it has been proven time and time and time again historically. Historically, in all the religious writings and in all the writings around the world, there is a historical Jesus. He lived and he died at a Roman cross. Of that, everyone agrees. But yet, because we believe in him, because we believe in his resurrection, they say we're crazy. And then you will look at God's word. It tells us that he appeared to over 500 people after his resurrection. Now tell me, tell me something. If you were accused of shoplifting and you went to court and you had 500 people come in there and say, he was with me the day of he was accused, do you think you would be found guilty? No, I think you would have been let go. I think you'd have been far gone. I mean, even in Jewish law, you only had to have two or three persons tell witness for you. There's another website. I love going to these websites. There's another website that said that we as Christians are distorted because of our worldview, and we cannot actually see what we're doing and the kind of damage that we're causing. Go to YouTube. On YouTube, they have the five points that show the gap between Christianity and reality. Five points. Get them. Five points. So, where does the truth lie? I believe that true sanity lies with the Pauls of today. With those who believe in Jesus Christ. Those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And those who have built their lives upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? I believe in this book right here. It's called the Bible. I believe it to be the inerrant Word of God, the infallible Word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God Himself. I believe to be every page, every word on these pages to be God's own words. We sang today, Word of God speak, He has. He has spoken. He has spoken to us through His Word, through the prophets. And the writer of Hebrews says, and in these last days, He has spoken to us by His dear Son, Jesus Christ. He has spoken to us. And here's His words. I believe them to be true. I believe that it's madness to be with a majority that believes in only what they can see, what they can taste, what they can hear, and what they can touch. I believe that to be madness. I believe it's madness to be and lived in a world where you are judged by your achievements, or your prestige, or your position, or your prominence, or who you know. You know, Jesus himself said in Luke 12, 15, take heed and beware of covetousness for no one's life consists in the abundance of things he possesses. The great apostle Paul knew this. The great apostle Paul said several times, many times in his scriptures, keep our eyes focused on the things we cannot see. He says it specifically in 2 Corinthians 4. He makes this beautiful statement to the Corinthian church. Beginning in verse 16, he said, Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, he says, therefore we do not lose heart. 
Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are seen are eternal. Paul says there are eternal things. How many of you grew up looking at things thinking they would always last? Well, when's the last time you saw a Lip Brothers? You probably can go back and think of many, many things you saw as a child growing up thinking that they would always be there and they would always last. Well, guess what? Many of them are not around anymore, are they? They're gone. Paul says don't keep your eyes on the things that you can see. Don't keep your eyes on the things that you can touch and can taste. Don't keep your eyes on those things because there's no value in those things because they will all fade away and pass away. That's what Paul says. Paul says, keep your eyes on the things you can't see. Why? Because that's where eternity is, in the things we cannot see. Things we can't see are eternal. They're in the spiritual realm. The two worlds are coexisting side by side. These two worlds, the spiritual world and this world that we now live in. He says it's not real. Do you know there's as many as 10 dimensions possibly in the world? We live in three. There's as many as 10. The unseen world is not subject to our time, not as we know it. How can people back in this day prophesy on things that are coming true today if they didn't see the spiritual? If they didn't look at the spiritual things and say they were true. So how do we know these things are real? How do we know these things are even real? I've quoted the scripture before. It's in John 3.3. 3. Uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, in order to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. You want to see the kingdom of God. If you want to see Eternal things. If you want to see spiritual things, you must be born again. That's what he's saying. But how do I know it's true? How do I know it's true? The writer of Hebrews explains it in Hebrews 11.1. 1. They call it faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen are faith. Now, this is so, not so much a definition of faith as is a declaration of what faith does. It's the substance of things that we hope for. And the word substance here can be translated in the new version as substantiating. It substantiates the things we hope for. And and the word evidence can be translated as conviction. I'm convicted of the truths. Though I may not have seen them, I'm convicted of their existence. There is evidence, and the evidence is of God. It causes me to believe in God. Though I've never seen him... I believe in him, and that evidence of his existence creates faith in my heart, and my heart grows with that faith. And the more I believe, the more faith I have, and the more things become true. I mean, there are many things that we think we see or many things that we don't see in this world. How many of you saw the wind today? Didn't you see the wind, the trees blow? Don't you see the leaves come down? Oh, yeah, they're the effects of the wind. That's what the wind does that's what the effect, you don't see it, but you know the wind exists because you see the effects of it. You see the evidence of it. How many have ever heard of the, of the magnetic force? How many of you ever had two magnets to put them together, opposite ends? You don't see it, do you? But you believe it, don't you? 
You believe in a magnetic force? How many of you see gravity? You don't know gravity until you jump off a ladder. You see the effects of gravity. We believe in these things, but we don't see them. I have evidence of God in my life. I have the changed life that he made in my life. I feel his power. I feel his love. I see the evidence of his truth in you. I see the evidence of what he has done in me and my family. I see it all around me. I don't even doubt that his existence because I see the evidence of it. My faith is substantiating with the things that are hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Jesus makes this beautiful statement, one we've talked about before, one that I just talked about yesterday with Frank. Jesus makes this beautiful statement to Thomas, this gorgeous statement to Thomas. When Thomas refused to believe that Jesus was alive, unless I put my hand in those prints of his nail in his hands, and unless I put my hand in his side, I don't believe. Then they're all together and Jesus appeared. Thomas, come here. Put your hand right here where the nail prints were. Put your hand here. And Thomas fell, my Lord, my God. He fell at his feet and worshiped him. My Lord and my God. And Jesus says, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believed. And he was talking about us. And that word blessed means, oh, how happy. Don't tell me I'm delusional. Don't tell me I don't know what I believe in. Don't tell me that God's not real, that God doesn't exist. Don't tell me that because there's too much proof in my life to make me believe that. I do not believe that being a Christian makes me delusional or insane, but I do believe that as a Christian, my eyes have been opened to the truth. And as a Christian, I've been turned from darkness to light. And as a Christian, I've been turned from the power of Satan to the power of God. And as a Christian, I have now received forgiveness of sin. And as a Christian, I received an inheritance. An inheritance among those who are set apart for God. And this is true sanity. This is not the sanity of the world. The world will never give you this sanity. You will never find this much hope in a fallen world, ever. Most of you have been there, done that, tried that, got the scars to prove it. You will not find this kind of sanity in a world. Christianity is the reality of my life. It is not a delusion. And I pray, my prayer is that it would be the reality of your life that you would not see it as a delusion or those that believe as delusional. And I like Paul, and I love what Paul said here. I wish to God that not only you here today, but anybody who might be listening this on CD in the future, anybody that might be listening this on the radio program in the future, you who are hearing this message today, might become altogether such things as what we're talking about now, might know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and might declare him as such. And know the reality of his life and yours together. And that is the reality, and that is on what we stand today as Christians. Amen? Pastor Dave will continue teaching through the book of Acts the next time you join us. You know, programs like Cape Watch Radio can be a huge blessing that God uses in the lives of countless people. But we must always be careful about just hearing God's Word. Remember what James said? Be doers of the Word and not hearers only. 
deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. As you join us each day here on Cape Watch Radio, it's our hope and prayer that you would not only hear God's word, but that you would do God's word, that you would take the lessons that you're learning here on Cape Watch Radio and apply them to your everyday life. And we want to help you to continue to apply God's word to your life. We have resources to help you in this journey. Log on to www.capewatchradio.com and there you'll find helpful tools that you can use as you study God's word. Again, our web address is www.capewatchradio.com or you can always give us a call. Our phone number here at Cape Watch Radio is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. And don't forget to place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Dave continues teaching through the Word of God. That's all the time we have for today. May God bless you as you continue to listen to Cape Watch Radio.